and welcome to Gloucester Vineyard Church's weekly podcast. We're creating a community that brings hope and joy to Gloucestershire and we're thrilled that you've downloaded this message. We hope you enjoy this message and that it speaks to you where you're at. If you would like to know more about us as a church and how you can join in on a Sunday morning, you can find out all the details on our website, www.glostervineyard.org. So without further ado, here we go. Okay. <laughs> um, I think throughout the past year, I've been in contact with several people, All right, as I'm sure many of you have, but in my line of work, I come across people who often will talk about what's going on for them in life. And I think one of the things that I've really come across in some of the, the, the words people have been using to describe this last year have been words like tired, words like frustrated, words like annoyed. And, um, you know, it's probably no surprise to, to any of us in this room that even over the last year, 2020, um, we saw a, a significant increase in levels of people reporting cases of anxiety. Um, the Office of National Statistics shows us that. Um, and, and one of the main causes for that, they've said, was loneliness. Okay, And I think obviously that's going to come in in terms of just people being isolated, etc., which I think all of us at some level have experienced. But, but one of the words that have come out for me in speaking to people as well has been this word, um, hopeless. And every time I've heard that, I've, I've, it's really jolted me because people are actually saying this with genuine sincerity, that they've actually felt a sense of hopelessness. And, you know, and the dictionary, when you look at the, the Cambridge Dictionary, it basically just says hopelessness is to be without hope. That's all it defines it as, and it's, it's quite straightforward. So we obviously know then that the, the, op, the, the, op, the, the opposite to that would be hope. And the same dictionary describes hope, which is the Cambridge Dictionary, as to want something to happen or to be true, and usually to have a good reason to think that it might. So I'm going to say that again. To want something to happen or to be true, and to usually have a good reason to think that it might. Hope could also be described as the belief that something beneficial is to come, the idea that what is currently seen is not the end of the story, but that something greater is ahead. Put differently, hope can be seen as a catalyst to believe for a better day. Yeah? Hope can be seen as a type of fuel or energy that helps us to remain committed to something that we see as important and valuable, regardless of our discomfort and regardless of whether the odds seem to be against us. This past year, we've all hoped for similar things. For reassurances about employment, out um, educational outcomes, employment stability, security, financial st stability, for those we love and care for to be safe and well, for gyms, restaurants and pubs, shops to reopen as quickly as possible, for restrictions to be lifted so we can actually see friends and gather as even as we are today. We've all hoped for a better day. And we've all, all of us have been given reason to believe that that might happen as well with one announcement after another. 
for all of us, where we could and where we couldn't go, and who we could and couldn't meet, has all been limited. For many, educational, um, employment issues, um, financial stability was a genuine concern. Genuine concern. I know of people who have actually lost employment or have lost income significantly as a result of what's gone on over the last year. And sadly, some of us have also needed to negotiate the challenge of dealing with either illness or the pain and, and loss of losing loved ones. So in light of the last year we've had, and you know, probably challenges that we might still see going forward, what I wanted to do was just look in the Bible and see what we can find out about hope. Hope, biblical hope. Not the hope that we're, not, we're used to, but biblical hope. And I'm going to do that from reading a passage um, in, in 2 Corinthians, um, chapter 4, verses 1 to 18, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. So I'll just read that first. Okay, so this is a passage written by a guy called Paul, um, and he's a prolific writer in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. And he says this, Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us up with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. 
Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs, outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will be soon gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Okay, just as a little bit of a backdrop, these verses form part of a second letter Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And it followed an earlier letter in 1 Corinthians in which Paul gave instructions about their faith, their lifestyle, and how they should think about specific moral issues like sex and marriage. Though many received these instructions and as a result became more mature in their faith, there were some who questioned Paul's God-given authority and actually made it difficult for the other believers. So because of this, Paul's second letter, 2 Corinthians, was a deeply personal one. In it, he needed to defend his authority and actually strongly challenge those in the church who were causing problems, twisting his words and even actually slandering his reputation. So though he wouldn't have wanted to do this or stress his authority, the difficulties that he actually felt he needed to, it was necessary for him to do it. However, what I love about this passage is that though, felt he, though Paul felt he needed to remind the church of his God-given authority, what we see in some of these verses is actually an expression of his deep vulnerability from which I believe we can find encouragement and hope. So the main, the main idea here is this, because there is a lot in those 18 verses which won't be able to go into all of it. But what I'd like to do is focus on this. Paul the apostle, like all followers of Jesus, faced trials. He faced challenges. He faced difficulties. And in this particular case, it was the fact that his authority and reputation were being challenged by those he loved. Can you imagine having those you love and care for questioning your motivations? Can you imagine how difficult that must be? This is what he was experiencing. But rather than living in a sense of despair getting angry or looking for ways to even assert or vindicate himself, Paul instead made himself vulnerable. And in doing so, he encouraged the readers to know that God uses our trials for good. And that no matter what challenges we face, we can hold on to hope in God's promises. So what is hope? Firstly, I want to just put it to us that actually... Um, Biblical hope is different to our common understanding of hope, yeah? Though both hopes relate to kind of envisaging a better future, our typical understanding of hope is, is by nature emotional and psychological. In other words, typical hope comes and goes. It's, it's um, fleeting. It can change from one day to another. And it can either be positive and productive or it can be negative and destructive, depending on what's being hoped for. One example of this is a hope that's defined as positivity, which you know some of you may have heard of. It's this habit of focusing on the positives in any given situation. And we've probably all come across it, yeah? So you tell someone your car has broken down, and their response will be something like, yeah, that's cool, you're gonna have an opportunity to save on petrol for the next month or so. Now, Though there is truth in that, if you've got a young family, okay, and you use your car to fit in um, shopping between school runs and after school activities, 
that's not the kind of hope-filled response that you're going to want to hear. And it's probably not going to be very helpful either. Biblical hope is different. It's completely different. And I want to just say we can suggest that we can know this because Paul makes a very clear distinction between typical hope, though that which is experienced by those who don't follow Jesus, and biblical hope, the hope that has that people have that, that those who follow Jesus have. I probably didn't say that very clearly at all. Basically, Paul makes a distinction between what's biblical hope and what's unbi- not, not biblical hope, and he does this by describing unbelievers when he says he describes them as being without hope in Ephesians 2.12, and he also describes them as being of having no hope in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. So the, f- the main difference between biblical hope and other forms of hope then is a belief in the living God who acts and intervenes in human life and who can be trusted to implement his promises. And that's written by some scholars. In other words, biblical hope does not depend on what we can do for ourselves. Biblical hope does not depend on what others can do for us. Biblical hope does not depend on our circumstances. And I find that really encouraging because there are times I feel really incapable So I'm glad that I can hold on to a hope that is able to do far more than I could ever imagine doing in my own strength or abilities. Neither is biblical hope dependent on our circumstances. Instead, it finds its source in the nature and character of God. And it's validated in the belief that there is a living God who performs the impossible. Biblical hope is ultimately based on a trust in God not on ourselves, not on others, and it isn't dependent on circumstance. Then I ask the question, why is hope so important? (laughs) In speaking of the impact of COVID-19 on children and young people in August of last year, the Children's Society published a report, and in it they stated, practicing social distancing or even being self-isolated will reduce the choice and autonomy children and young people have over their lives. They they may find themselves unable to take part in important recreational activities that improve their well-being, like sports, arts, music, or games. Children may also struggle because of increased amounts of free time, but without few activities to fill it. That was a report by the Children's Society in 2020, August last year. But we'd probably all agree that the same concerns raised about children and young people could be applied to all of us. For many of us, that's what the last year has been like a lack of autonomy, a sense of isolation, and an inability to actually take part in important recreational activities. It's been a long, drawn-out delay of uncertainty about when we'll be able to do the very things that help us to feel alive and well. The book of Proverbs, chapter 13, 12, says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Another version in the message says, Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. Put another way, when what we hope for is put off, postponed or delayed, we can become discouraged, cynical, and heartbroken. When our desires are delayed, we can become frustrated, our mood can be negatively impacted, and we can become unwell, quite literally unwell. As followers of Jesus, when facing trials and when things don't seem to be getting better, or they keep getting worse, 
it's actually understandable that we too might experience feelings of despair and discouragement. We may start asking questions like, when will life go back to normal? I heard that over and over again over the last few months. When will this end? I'm not even sure if I can take this anymore. And these types of questions and thoughts are not new. Despair isn't new. Discouragement isn't new. It might even come as a surprise that God's heard them all before. In a time of despair, the psalmist cried out three times, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Our moments of despair and discouragement are real, and they need to be acknowledged as such. And this is why hope is important, because it offers a way to look ahead to the future, an opportunity to get through what we're facing, a light at the end of the tunnel. Hope points us towards the possibility of change and improvement, and because of it, it's vital to our well-being. In the passage we read um, in 2 Corinthians, by sharing aspects of his own life, Paul reminds us as followers of Jesus that we're servants, first and foremost, that we're servants, and that being a servant is costly in that there will be times when we need to put aside our comfort and our plans for a greater good. He then reminds Jesus' followers that as servants of God, we've been entrusted with the good news of the gospel, this rich and lasting treasure, which is also for a greater good. The greater good in Paul's case was that he, that was that actually through his service, followers of Jesus would become more conscious of the glory of God as demonstrated through the life and person of Jesus. And the greater good in our case is that others might get a sense of who Jesus is by the way we navigate our daily lives, despite our feelings of despair and discouragement, despite the inconveniences and despite the discomforts, and despite our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses. In fact, unlike popular thinking that emphasizes a need to be strong, resourceful, and resilient in order to be effective, Paul describes followers of Jesus as being fragile, like clay jars. In other words, though functional, we're breakable and we're fallible. And although he's primarily speaking of our physical bodies, in that he later goes on to talk about one day us having a new body when we get to heaven, I believe we can also relate this principle to our overall mental and emotional well-being too. In another letter, Paul describes God as being the God of hope. I love that. The God of hope. <laughs> when writing to the church in, Cor in Rome about the importance of accepting one another just as Jesus does, he actually says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, it's a phone. Again, what we see here is that when we place our, where we place our hope actually matters. Is that something? <laughs> it's okay. It stopped. It stopped. If the source of our hope is actually placed in anything other than God, we're going to struggle. 
we're going to be on shaky ground. And admittedly, our comforts and plans have been affected this last year, we know. However, despite our fragility, our moments of despair and the possible feelings of having nothing left in the tank, Paul actually reminds us and encourages us that we are carriers of great treasure. We're carriers of the God of hope who acts and intervenes on behalf of humanity. He reminds us that we don't need to depend on our own strength or understanding, but that we can instead rely on the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave to help us, to empower us, and to fill us with hope for a better day. Okay. The psalmist that I mentioned earlier in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 42, he asks, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? That's a desperate and honest plea, a desperate and honest cry. But then he goes on to say, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. See, there's something here for me about the psalmist acknowledging firstly his despair. Didn't dismiss it. Didn't kind of pretend it didn't exist. But he didn't stop there. Just like Paul, having acknowledged the impact of the circumstances he was facing, the psalmist set about then turning his attention to the God of hope, reminding himself that God is a savior. And I would say for the good of our own souls, for our own mental and physical and emotional well-being, it's right that we too, especially in times of trouble, in times of trial, in times of discomfort and challenge, turn our attention to the God of hope. And look to Calvary. Look to the cross where our Savior Jesus died to set us free and give us an eternal hope. We're going to, in a moment, just going to invite Rich up to, to just to play a song. Um, but before we do, because we're going to have a short time of response, what I'd like you to do is just consider three ways that you might be able to actually um, apply some of what we've looked at today. I'm going to invite you to do this. First, I want to invite you to ask God to show you where you may be placing your hope in something or someone other than him. Reflect over this last year and even think to where you are now moving forward. Where is your hope being placed? Yeah, I've had many conversations and I'm hearing people placing hope and I know that I do it as well. We place our hope in sometimes in things that aren't going to be as consistent as God. It might be the, the next announcement as an example. Then I'd want you to set aside some time to explore his word, to look into scripture Look at the Bible and remind yourself of the good that comes from hoping in God. Remind yourself of who God's, char of God's character, his nature. And then lastly, I want you to be open to, to sharing with somebody else your faith in the coming days or weeks. And when you get an opportunity, just explain to them why you've got the hope you've got, even in such a difficult time. And see the power of God working you as you do that, as you make yourself open and available to that. Ultimately, as fragile jars of clay who carry this great and powerful treasure, the good news of the gospel, God wants us to reveal him 
and he wants to reveal himself through us. He's neither expecting or wanting us to do it in our own strength, but instead to acknowledge our fragility and yet despite it, move in the confidence and power we receive as we surrender ourselves and as we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Let's set our minds on Christ, the God of hope. Okay, that's all for this week. I hope that blessed you and you found that helpful. If you enjoyed this message, then don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date. And also check out our website, www.glostervineyard.org. Thank you.